On today's show, we're covering it all from politics to military to education, all with our special guest, Councillor Sean Cranenberg. This is Penhold Talk Radio. And welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us again this week. My name is Brian Constantine, and unfortunately, I am not joined by my, by my co-host, Michael Rowland, this week. Uh, he is unfortunately a little under the weather. Uh, but before, quick, don't, don't turn it off yet. Uh, you won't have to listen to me drone on for the next hour or so, because I am joined this week uh, by Councillor Sean Cranenberg. Awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you for for giving up some of your time uh, this evening to to come out to this little show, uh, and 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 uh, open up a little bit to, to to us to the town. Let's get to know you, and uh, who knows what kind of conversations will, will happen as we as we get going. Um, all right. So as 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 kind of we've kind of set the pattern now with with the other counselors, like just kind of get to know uh, Sean Cranenberg the person. Uh, and then we'll get to know and get to know your ideas. So it's my understanding that that you or at least your family have been in this area for a while now. Yeah, my mom and dad were actually uh, by the old Reservoir Hill, and that's where I grew up. And they were the second house on that side of the highway um, to be built. So yeah, they were built in a farmer's field. They actually built their house in the wrong spot because there was nothing around <laughs> it, and it got <laughs> yeah, got torn down, and uh, they had to rebuild. So yeah, we've been here a long time. I've been here all my life, except for a brief stint in Red Deer going to school. So, so who's who's been here longer than you or or Yarjo, Mary Yarjo? I think me. <laughs> okay. I think. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not thought, positive, but I think so. I thought Yarjo had was was clearly the the, the, the winner, but uh, yeah, you give him a run for the run for yeah, the money close. for it's that. Close. I, yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I, I I've I all the counselors so far have been here over 15 years i think most of them are, have been even though they haven't all been on the show yet but i think all almost all of them have been here for a significant amount of time yeah so yeah it's not it's not new residents and so um so you fan, so you grew up in in penhold then um and what what or what's what was what was home life so what what how many siblings and uh, troublemakers you had to grow over. yeah so i was the youngest uh my mom had mom and dad had two boys mark and scott they both live in penhold still oh, so oh, man, yeah. so uh we all grew up in the same house scott has lived a, a little bit in springbrook and then back and then mark's lived all over the place and he's back so um my childhood was awesome it was the town where you you know you come on when the lights turn on right yeah and so the toboggan hill is right across from my dad's uh tree and we always used to have friends go through the alley and cut over the tree and he used to get upset so <laughs> yeah so just uh i grew up looking right at that farmer's field that, that used to be the farmer's field where uh counselor mueller actually lives oh, okay right yeah. across the street and we used to walk through the field and there was hay bales in the field right in the middle of town so it was like living in a farm field i remember waking up and uh i think mary Yarjo talked about it too and there's like combines and stuff going right outside my window so yeah pretty pretty phenomenal upbringing country upbringing and mm -hmm. until the town started to build up so yeah fairly recently so yeah that's that's the thing you don't have to have been living here long to to get a sense of how much no. things have changed no um yeah one one uh, well we moved I, yeah i moved to penhold here with my wife uh in 2008 and and one one reason well one of it is just it was more affordable than, than red deer at the time 
Um, but we got a nice spot on the, the east side of town. So our mm-hmm. place, our, our kitchen window looks out towards the, the, the field across Waskasu Ave now. Okay. Yeah. And so we still kind of have that little bit of that, that country feel uh, there instead of just having neighbors at all surrounding you. Yeah. But so similar, I still, I feel like I can connect a little bit with what you're talking about. Yeah. The fact that, yeah, I don't, I'm not looking directly across into someone else's home, but yeah, there's, there's still farmland out there. Yeah. We built on Newton. So my wife and I, when we look out the bedroom window, it's, uh, you can still see the mountains cause mm-hmm. it's right on, right on the edge. So nice. still yeah. kind of feels like country. So yeah. I don't know how long it's going to last. I know but. that's right. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, so yeah, the town annex, the large part of land, and it, it stretches down past where I where I live on Dundee. I'm, I'm hoping it's too much of a floodplain though, for for too much quick development there. Yeah, there's oh, a pretty there's a pretty there. big gap there. That's a floodplain. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be probably a fairly big avenue of of green space going through there. I yeah, think. Uh, that's that's what I'm crossing my fingers for. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, so so two siblings, lowest on on the pecking order as yeah. those. Um, so now, uh, you, on your bio on the town site, it lists, um, two occupations. First, we have a teacher. What do you teach? I teach right now. I teach at North Cottage High School in Red Deer. So it's Which, part of sorry, our, what school is it? Uh, North Cottage. North it's Cottage. It's actually, it's in Laura Fairview. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it's still called Laura Fairview. Oh, yeah. Uh, River, <laughs> Riverside, 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 yeah. Riverside Mills. Yeah. And it's the oldest continuing operating school in Alberta. And I think possibly Western Canada. I'm not sure on that. Is that down by Koinia? Yeah, right beside oh, okay. Koinia. It's yeah, actually on Koinia. It's, that, it's that building around yeah. the corner. Oh, I didn't yeah, even so know Yeah, so it was built these. in 1912. Yeah. It's been operating continuously as far as I know, so. See, I, I never knew it was still used as a school. And yeah. It even still has yeah. its name. My mom and dad, or my mom went there in kindergarten back in the day, so. That's crazy. Yeah, it's old. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I always just thought of it as like, a heritage site. Yeah, no, it's, it's an operating school. Yeah, so we're part of alternative programs. So we run a special um, specialized program to get kids done high school. We have uh, kids grade nine through 12 there. Some just wrapping up courses, some take mm. their whole high school career there. So yeah, it's a pretty special place. Yeah. So what, so do you teach a wide range of subjects then to help the students out? Or do yeah. You, do you more so I facilitate like everything math and science across the board from nine to 12. But then we actually have teachers online that teach mm-hmm. specifically mark the stuff, teach the kids, do little lessons with them. And I just help kind of when they need help. And then I specifically have my own workload that's online of courses that I teach. And some of my kids are in-house. And then I also teach kids at Thurber, Hunting Hills, mm-hmm. um, Gateway Christian. So, yeah, all online. Yeah, it sounds like a, a, a interesting co- a collection of, of – uh, it's not – it's certainly not like when, when someone says they're, they're a teacher – yeah, the, the, you know, you have your classroom, yeah, and you have your rotating yeah. uh, collection of kids that come through every year. You sound like you got a lot of a variety in, yeah. in what you end up teaching. Yeah, that was me for the longest time. I taught at Gateway Christian School when I started my career. Um, loved it, and then just wanted a little bit of more experience with some of the administrative stuff. So I, I have an awesome administrator, uh, Stephen Pottage, who is with Alternative Schools, and he runs an umbrella of schools. And so I'm at North Cottage. So it's myself and my partner teacher and then my EA with all the kids. So I get a lot of independence there, a lot of chance to do kind of my own thing. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. It's great. Great learning opportunity for leadership. So, yeah. Uh, and then the uh, other role is listed as a military police member. So it's not, it's not, it's not just military that you're part of. You're, you got, uh, you're, you're a, uh, an MP or in a different MP version, but military police. Now, 
when when I when I think of military, when I think of the police, obviously you think about the the, the patrolling uh, uh, vehicle of the RCMP or something like that. Um, and obviously, I, 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 I'm assuming you don't kind of cruise around bases in that capacity. Not in that capacity. Yeah. No. And then the other element that comes to mind is that this military police almost comes to mind is is kind of old cop, or cop shows where you have the internal affairs guys and they're always they're always the bad guys because um, they they seem like they're tr- always against the policemen yeah always trying to root out uh, or looking suspiciously at the at the guys who are just trying to catch the bad guys and then, and then the internal affairs are just kind of messing things up yeah so so what is is, is any of that related to military police or, or hopefully you have better working working relationship but, but what's what is your role as military right. police then? we do so in Canada we have a different way of doing things everybody's a soldier first. Um, so our dentists are trained soldiers, our doctors are soldiers. Uh, everybody goes through basic and everybody becomes, uh, we have what's called, depending on Navy, Army, uh, Air Force, you go through a phase uh, for your element training, we call it. So I did my Army tra- training. And then so I was qualified as a soldier and then I qualify as a trade. So I want to be an MP. Um, I was an artillery officer first and then actually was willingly took a demotion to start off at the bottom to be an MP because there was a spot, okay, yeah. but not, not with my rank. So I gave up uh-huh. my rank. Um, and then started from the bottom. So I'm a reservist. So our reg force MPs do patrolling just okay. like the RCMP. They, they work on bases like CFB Edmonton. Yeah. And then the, they, there's field platoons too. Um, you can get posted to a field platoon, which is like you do detainee handling, things like that. And so that's what reservists do. They basically do the army side of the policing. So while we, we train to do the patrol stuff, I've trained for all that, like arrest techniques, investigative stuff on a basic level. Mm. We do like in Afghanistan, we would do base security, Air, Air Force oh, okay. um, base security. Yeah. Yeah. Postings, things like that. And basically make sure that it's called force protection. So basically I did uh, Oplentis, which is the Canadian Forces response to civil issues, um, basically like disaster response. Mm-hmm. And so I did with the forest fires in Vernon. And okay. so our job was to guard the base while the soldiers were on base so gotcha. that they can do their job and yep. nobody comes on base and bothers them. So, yeah. Okay. So, so you, yeah. So, so when say uh, a combatant is, is captured on, uh, on the battlefield and brought back to base, that's where, where you would be. That's your, 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 your Yeah. So we, we, we we're specialized in things like knowing the ins and outs of the Geneva convention and mm. things of that nature and knowing. Which is very interesting this time right around that very, side. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that would be our thing would be basically in, in theater would be security. Uh, also criminal stuff if there if there's reg force guys with us because if soldiers commit crime as that because that's that's what uh, that's the that's what i was thinking yeah so on base policing yeah military but yeah you're 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 looking at criminal activity whenever it comes in our interaction right within a military setting right yeah so my my main job as a reservist would be more of like the the security side of things the force protection things like that yeah making sure everybody's safe um securing the base those kinds of things and then we'd have a separate branch usually reg force guys that would do criminal investigations yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it's pretty awesome <laughs> so as a reservist then how often how many hours do you have to put in on that then? uh I've all, all told I've done about six months of training away from my family. Yeah. And then now it's like Wednesday nights you parade, but then I do go for postings um, like Oplentis when I was in Vernon for two weeks, we, you can go to Poland. There's options available to you okay, yeah. to do those kinds of things. So, yeah. So now that I'm done all my training, uh, there's a minimal requirement to keep what we call 
um, NES, so from not basically going off the books and not being effective anymore. So yeah, so kind of a keep your accreditation yeah, exactly. active kind yeah. of idea. Yeah. yeah. So when so as as a reservist as an MP, is there any thought about what's going on over in, in Russia and Ukraine? Is that something that that is seriously on your mind, or is that a possibility? It is the whole, the whole reason I joined the military is because my dad was born in the Netherlands after the war. Um, but his family came to Canada because they were liberated by the Canadians. So that's the reason I joined the military. So to see a country, any country, overrun and to see see those kinds of things and see what my family would have gone through, it's very hard to sit back. Now, Ukraine, mm -hmm. as you know, isn't a member of NATO. So we do have very firm rules on how we're going to operate, right? Okay. Um, so in an official capacity as a Canadian soldier, no, we, we're not going to go to Ukraine. Um, we are in Poland, we are in the other countries, yeah. we're beefing up those, and, and I would be willing to do that. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. That, that, that NATO thing's a big deal, and, and yeah. stepping over that line would be, you know, if he steps oh, over yeah. the border, it would be not good. So, yeah, yeah so... But yeah, even even now, like some there is some some little bit of a ramp up. I think there's some some uh, soldiers that have been moved out, out to Poland at this point, and then there seems to be at least thirty four hundred on kind of alert. I guess it would be right. to, to, yeah, to, to move go. into or to move into that area whenever yeah. NATO would call. We always have um, reg force. So the reg force guys, the the full time soldiers, always they're always training. So everyone yeah. wonders what they do because there's not always wars or peacekeeping missions. <laughs> and we have about a hundred ish thousand, right? Yes, um, yeah. total. So they do, we have one that's always, one group of soldiers that's always in what's called like basically a quick reaction format mm -hmm. and they're ready to roll pretty much at any time. So they kind of rotate so that you're in high readiness. Yeah. Um, so those would probably be your readiness troops that are ready to roll. And then there would be, of course, more should we need it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as far as the NATO treaty stand, basically like an attack on Poland would be like an attack on us, right? Yeah. So it's yeah, all or nothing. Yeah. Or the NATO country specifically, all of them. Yeah, yeah, any, any NATO triggers the, yeah, that that's that's that, that's the that's the, a red line that everyone is kind of watching and yeah. tippy, tiptoeing around. Yeah, how much can can uh, these European countries help out Ukraine without without uh, crossing right. that red line? And we don't even yeah. know what it really looks like because Poland offered to to donate um, fighter jets. Yes, but the yes. Americans said no because they were going to fly in from Ramstein, and that's a NATO mm -hmm. base or an American base, and so would that be an attack by NATO yeah. against the Russians? And nobody knows what that looks like, so they're yeah. playing it safe, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just so much up in the air right now regarding that. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, can't, I just, yeah, I can't imagine, I can't imagine being in command at this point. Just seeing, like, uh, trying to figure out just the, the ins and outs of politics, the, yeah. the fog of war. Like, even now... You know, it, it's, it is one thing to fight wars, you know, a hundred years ago, trying to figure out where all your guys were at any given time. It just is, at least from, from the civilian point, it just seems like chaos over there as well. Right. It doesn't, like, the fog of war still seems like a real thing, even today, trying to figure out the logistics and, and where everything is and how, how everything moves. Yeah, I heard, I heard in the news that there's so many Canadians that are, are there private citizens that they actually have what's called a Canadian brigade. Oh, yeah, it's getting, and yeah, I don't know how many of those that. people, I know like, like legally, if I were to resign from the army and be done, there's nothing stopping us as Canadians to go over there. Yeah. Um, our, our government has said that that's the case. Uh, so you could, yeah. you can go over there a, for, at least for Ukraine, as if a private, you fight for Russia, yeah. that, that's probably not exactly. Looking, so yeah, looking as a private good. citizen, you could do it. I know one of our, one of our, um, one of the top snipers in the world is a Canadian and he is now retired and he's over 
we're going over right away. So yeah, I saw that. I saw those headlines starting to come out yeah. uh, about about him. Now I was going to save this for a little bit later, but let's 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 push in on on that a little bit. Um, yeah. So as you mentioned, there's Ukraine basically put the call out to to say anyone who wants to come fight, mm-hmm. will 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 take you. Mm-hmm. Um, now apparently, when you get there, in order to kind of get the uh, protection of Ukrainian uh, legal mm-hmm. uh, defense and all, all that kind of goes along with that, not just so you not have a ragtag <laughs> group yeah. going out there, you have to sign a three-year contract, I think is yeah. what, what I've been reading. Um, yeah, and so you're talking about um, his nickname is Wally, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is from a CBC article that he, he just crossed over into uh, Ukraine was starting to engage there and it talks about him being greeted with with hugs and handshakes mm-hmm. and flags uh from from the ukrainians um now so i so i guess initially do you do you do you um do you feel that pull to want to get involved in that is that kind of a universal if you're in, in you're in the military you want to get right. in the action is that so when so when you hear a whole bunch of ex um, there are some, uh, sorry, veterans, I guess would probably be this right word. Uh, lots of veterans, uh, going over there. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. Yeah. Right. Um, the reason you see retired people going is because they're not bound by the rules anymore. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Ukraine's doing it really well with the foreign legion thing that they've set up. If you, if you see on the news, they have a, a lot of people have the yellow bands, right? Mm. They don't have time to arm everybody and put on the uniform of Ukraine or anything like that. So yeah. they're, what they're doing is they're identifying themselves to the, to the conventions of the Geneva conventions so that mm-hmm. they can be protected by the, the treaties. So that's kind of why they're, they're doing it all by the book. But I, I think veterans have that pull for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, Reg Force guys, for sure, it's all they know. Oftentimes they retire and they go into bouts of depression or they have a hard time going mm. into civilian life. Yeah. I won't because I'm a civilian too. <laughs> so, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, if minus taking away the family life and the responsibilities that I have here and the obligation to obviously work with the Canadian forces, mm-hmm. I would have that pull for sure, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, it's, so there's another guy that's talked about um or maybe it is maybe it is wally um so in this article he says that uh, the journey from life as a civilian pro or computer programmer with a young family in canada to the danger and uncertainty of the biggest war europe has seen in seven decades has been nothing short of mind-bending wally said Mm -hmm. and then quote a week ago i was still programming stuff he said and i'm now i'm grabbing anti-tank missiles in a warehouse to kill real people that's Mm -hmm. my reality right now and then it, and this is this is the thing that that shocks me, n- not having that kind of military experience. But he says Wally uh, Wally will miss his son's first first birthday this week. He called it the hardest part of the decision to join the fight in Ukraine. His wife was opposed to the idea. He said, "You can imagine what she said and how or, or how she thinks." Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, how that 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 to me is hard to to understand mm-hmm. that that someone would would make that sacrifice. Right. Um, to go fight over there. So it's not surprising, but like, uh, I guess you understand that that perhaps a little bit more than than the the citizen, because I think the average Joe sees that and just says, that's crazy. 
Right. I, w- I definitely wouldn't count myself like as understanding it as much as combat veterans, right? I've never been in combat, sure. so, but they would understand a lot more than me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we say Canadian veterans are anybody who's basically passed basic training and I've passed all my training. So just, just having the military lifestyle and knowing what that's like. Um, but the main draw for me would be like knowing what, knowing that there was no one there when the Germans marched into Holland right off the bat mm-hmm. and just thinking like that's happening in the Ukraine right now. Yeah. So just knowing that had the Canadian farm boys not signed up for King and country and gone to war, I wouldn't be here necessarily. Right. Yeah. Um, my dad was born in Niverdal, so he was right on the German border. So the V2 rockets launched to England were launched right from there. Mm. And after the war, I think one of the leaders of the Reich after Hitler was dead, actually hid in the Christian school, the reform school in, in Iverdahl, right around there. So yeah. that's kind of where <laughs> I would say that's where, I think that's where the Reich ended um, officially. Cause yeah. So so it's yeah. that draw. Like I, I can see why you'd you'd miss your kid's birthday because there's kids yeah. that won't get birthdays, yeah. right? So, yeah. They, so I guess they, they, especially someone who's been in combat, they know they they guess they have such a strong sense of of duty and and the need to act in that situation. Yeah, it's hard to explain. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Like you make you do make an oath to the queen, and yeah. we were talking about this before the show and. Um, mine, you can make an affirmation or an oath. I believe they're called ones on the Bible and ones just on, I think the, I think the Canadian constitution, hmm. I'm not sure. Um, I did the Bible. When you do that, um, you, you see it in the movies and it's kind of cheesy, but I actually teared up when I did mine. Cause there's the flags sure. in the background and it's an officer there. And I was in, you know, a suit and tie and mm-hmm. I was a nobody and ready to roll and everybody's watching you and, and it hits you pretty hard what you're signing up for, what you could be signing up for. Right. So, so when, when does that swearing in happen? Is that like right before, is that before basic training and everything or yeah. is that afterwards? Yeah. So I, you start, um, the, the, the second you're hired and you're, you're basically given the job, you go for a job interview, do panels, uh, physicals, mental exams, um, psychiatric exams for certain jobs. Basically what they do is they give you a score across the board. They give you a number yep. on your, your vision, your, um, your ability to, to do weird tests, <laughs> your physicality, uh, your medical, and then you qualify for certain jobs. Like I can't, I couldn't qualify for, um, a pilot cause of my eyes. Mm. Um, but like across the board, I, I'm a test taker type. So I did really good on the test. It doesn't mean I'm intelligent. I just can play that game because I'm a teacher. And so, um, I scored really high on those, but then couldn't cause of the eyes. Right. So they basically score you and you can be different things based on what numbers you get. Sure, yeah. That's called a basic recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go into basic training that everybody across the, the forces does. Right. Yeah. So I was in there with people that were going to be dentists and, and stuff like that. <laughs> and so then you're called basic trained and then you go to your trades training and mine was MP. So yeah. And then once you're qualified in that, you're qualified to go do something. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so where, where does the, where is the swearing in before all that, before that basic recruiting? Yeah. So mine was before I went to basic training. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that would be like the threshold. That's probably where you start feeling the weight of this that's decision. Where eh? That's where it's pretty late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You signed uh, on the dotted yeah, line. You better be sure. <laughs> like this, this yeah. is basically the, your, your vows yeah. as it were for a soldier. I know like reg force guys have a contract that they have to spend so much time. Um, we don't per se. So you can, you can, when you, when you sign up, you can say you want to be part of the regular troops or. or yeah. You can reserves. apply to both. Yeah. So okay. it's like applying for a full-time job or part-time job and gotcha. right. And so, um, but when you sign up, like when I signed up, it was a contract in my, in my heart or in my head, right? Like I wasn't going to do it and do the training and drop and yeah. like yeah. as much as my wife probably wants me to. <laughs> yeah. So 
yeah, that's what that's what I did, and that's that's I think the moment it hits you mm-hmm. when you do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine what it's like for the guys that are doing it when Afghanistan was on as yeah. Red Force guys, because you know you're going to get sent. Oh, sure, right? yeah. Like it's in the back; it's not in the back of your mind. You know you're going to go. Yeah, it's different than just signing up in peacetime. Yeah, yeah, yeah peacetime, yeah. and then Ukraine happens, so you never know. Yeah, but like during a conflict, and uh, ironically, the the recruiting just goes through the roof during conflicts, right? Yeah, so. Um, and so you, you, are you the first member in, of uh, your family to be part of the military? Cause you say you were inspired by, yeah. by what happened to your family. Yeah. So my, yeah. my Opa was my grandfather on my mom's side, um, way back when they're, they're from, um, what do you call them? Loyalists from, uh, America, from the United States. So they came to Canada during the revolution. And so, uh, one of my great, great grandfathers was Sir William Johnson and Sir John Johnson <laughs> on my mom's side. So they have a background that is both something to be proud of and something to not be proud of. <laughs> so, um, back in the day, I think everyone back, back in the day, they did things differently in war for sure. And, uh, so, and that's that family. And then my dad, my Opa fought in the underground in Holland. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talking, talking about your folks, it reminds me, I wanted to get to, to your own family, um, so according again to your bio, it says you're married and you've already kind of referred, referred to it. And how many kids was there? Uh, when I married my wife, she had three girls. Yeah. And so I was dad, which was really, really special to me. Um, my oldest was about nine and my youngest was five when I met them. Mm-hmm. So it's a different relationship as a step parent, but yeah. our family is really close. So it's been a, a actual really tight knit family all along. Uh, two of my daughters moved away. My youngest daughter, it, Layla, is still in the house. And then we adopted our son, Luca. So he's from, his biological parents are from Canada, but he's also from uh, Nepal. So Nepal, eh? Yeah. So, um, so, so, what, so adoption, eh? So that's, that's, that's interesting. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that angle. So what, what, uh, what was the thinking going into adoption? Because that's, that's usually something that, someone does you know perhaps because they've they've had that re- or that 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 experience growing up or something like that what 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 prompted you to to go through the adoption process my wife has adopted uh family members oh, okay. so i think her grandma's adopted and she's a very special person in her life or yeah. there's some a whole bunch of family that's adopted in that family so i can't remember exactly who but we <laughs> were talking about having a, a baby together and she had really, really hard time with the first three pregnancies. So her mm-hmm. doctor recommended that we don't. And so then we looked into adoption and just made that choice as a family. It was really yeah. cool because the girls got to be involved in it. We went to all the counselors together. It's totally different than having a kid. <laughs> no kidding. Naturally, because it's like getting going for a license test or something. You got to do everything. I wish everybody had to do it. Um, <laughs> well, the world, yeah, yeah. world would be a smoother running place. But um, yeah, so we did that and, and had to wait on the waiting list for about two years. And then, two years, and eh? then Luca came, yeah. And so he actually, our miracle story is he was, we had picked the name Luca for a boy. We didn't have girls names. So we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. (laughs) And when we were driving there, the social worker said, prepare yourself if she asks you to meet Luca. And we almost hit the ditch because the mom had actually named him Luca in the hospital before she ever met us. No way. Yeah. And as no family background, um, they chose it out of the blue. So it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And And that name... How old is he? He's four. Four. Turning five tomorrow. Like the only, the only, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I'm like, I'm thinking like Pixar just came out with it with the movie Luca. Yeah. 
Was it, so was was it before then? I guess it was before then. It was. So it, I just I think of it like, was a why fairly. That's I I liked it because back in the I don't know if you remember the show ER. Yeah, it was okay. Doctor Luka Kovich, <laughs> and he was just kind of kind of borderline, just like his attitude was just cocky, and I <laughs> I, I just liked him. I I don't know if I jived with him for some reason. Yeah, um, but he was good and. So I just had that name. I was always like, love that name, but there's an ethnicity to like um, Croatian or something like that. So it has nothing to do with our family background. I just love the name and my wife loved it too. So that's, and and she, the biological mom picked it out of the blue. So it's, it's, yeah, yeah, that, that's incredible. That's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) yeah like just that like that's that's not just a roll of the dice kind of thing like that's because not like ben or james or something no oh exactly that's that's the other thing yeah it's it's like yeah i like the name john oh look at this and here's a john like (laughs) less less cool story yeah (laughs) no that is that is that is pretty cool Um, excited about that yeah i i don't know yeah that's see stuff like that that just you, you can't, you can't, it's so hard to shake it off as just saying coincidence. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's, there's more going on behind the scenes. It seems Yeah. when, when that kind of stuff just lines up, Yeah. like you're just, you're talking about the odds being just unbelievable to, right. to be just pure chance. Yeah. yeah. And then at the time we had a paperwork error, like literally it sounds like you're doing business, but it was a paperwork oh, error. Yeah. And we had a background check, like you do everything right. And something came back, not completed. So we were delayed again. And literally, if that delay didn't happen, we wouldn't have him, right? So you just think like, so frustrating in the moment, yes. like an editing mistake. Um, so frustrating. And then just kind of downtrodden. And then it turns out that that delay is perfect, right? Yeah. Everything works out perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's a cool story. Yeah. So he's had like three little moms running around with <laughs> the, the girls. So. So, all right. So so back to the, back to the, to the occupations. We've gone through teacher. We've mm-hmm. gone through the, the, the military. Uh, and then now you are a two-term town councillor. Yes. And as I've asked everyone, in fact, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll start here. As I've asked everyone, or all the councillors, why get into public service? Right. This, this, like I said, it, it's it's not the most friendly playground to get to get uh, no. to to pop up in. Yeah. So so what what prompts you to to put yourself out in the right. public eye? Like I that? remember one of your early podcasts. Some people were talking about ego. Mm-hmm. And I, I really thought about that. And I said, uh, there's some really good points there. And I, I said, I don't, I don't think that's why. Cause I, I really try to like, I'm not on social media a lot on my council page. I don't, don't do videos for it. <laughs> um, it's, it was really hard for me to speak in front of the camera when we did the the session, but I'm a teacher, so you yeah. know, I can do it. And so I don't like being out there. I don't even at council meetings, if you listen to them, like I listen a ton mm-hmm. and and talk only when needed. I think people talk too much sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, um, I, and not just at council w. meetings, but you don't need to talk if you agree. Right? No, th- this 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 podcast probably counts for about seventy five my percent of my talking like all yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, so I'm the same way, right? So I th- and then when I started to think, I said to to a certain extent, you have to have a little bit of an ego, no matter what, because you by your very nature, you have to think that your in a position to help people with some problems. Yeah. Right. By your very yeah. nature. So yeah. either you're an ego and it's all about you, like some politicians higher up, mm-hmm. or you're just, you're like, yeah, I have solutions to those problems. And that's, that's to think that you can help people. It yeah. has to have a little bit of an ego. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I tried saying, no, I don't. <laughs> and so it was, it sounds cheesy, but it was really about, about public service is huge for me. Mm-hmm. So um, it's always like step up or step step back kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so, sure. so I stepped up as the town that I love. Um, I want to raise my kids here. We did. 
Uh, I hope my grandkids were here. My daughter, uh, Shelby, just had our first grandkid. Nice. So I'm 38. Nice. Wow. So I'm grandpa. So yeah, yeah, shout yeah. out oh, to my yeah, grandson, ahead. Hayes, um, <laughs> who was born on March 8th, so a couple days ago. Wow. Yeah. Two days. And so this is the first grandkid? First grandkid. Wow. Yeah. Hopefully that's first cool. one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Feels, they feel yeah. a little rushed. Yeah. Because we got a four, we got an almost five-year-old and then a, a brand new grandbaby. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, and like I wasn't planning on it being that quick, but I wanted to set up something that I'd be proud of for future generations. He's going to have the most active uh, grand, grandparent, grandparent ever. ever. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, that's, that's for sure. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, my, my mom and dad still live here. So all my brothers live here. My brother and his wife live across the road. I could throw a rock at their house. My other brother <laughs> lives by the multiplex and my parents live on Robinson. So yeah, just love the town and want to do something. And I knew Mike Yarjo from being on there. Um, we kind of grew up a little bit together. We weren't friends, but we were acquaintances. So I knew him. Um, I was going to say, yeah, how long have you guys known each other? Since yeah, a got, long time. It's not like there's a lot of space it's not for a lot you guys of space, to miss no. each other. <laughs> so grew up knowing each other quite well and then just basically liked what he stood for. I think it's really important that you that you are comfortable with the person who's going to be your person that's leading you. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a very healthy council. It's very good. We can disagree on a lot of things without conflict, and, yep. and we do. And that's good. And I like the team that he was leading, and that's why I decided to to step up. I was pretty confident um, in the election that that he had something that I wanted to get behind. So I, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. had some ideas of my own and just <laughs> ran for it and was shocked that, honestly shocked that I got in because um, I wasn't a campaigner. I didn't yeah. know I was a first-term counselor and was just happy to be there, right? Happy yeah. to be at the table, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll go around with my little door yeah. hangers. Yeah. This is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. Hang the signs here. Yeah, so I was lucky. Yeah. So. I, don't, I, don't know if, I, don't know, I don't know if you can chalk this one up to luck. Cause it was, I didn't look at the stats from, from the first. So you first selected in 2017. Right. But then 2021, you were the top vote-getter. Like I think it was somewhere in the 70% of all voters so yeah. play, selected your name. So what, yeah. what does that mean to you? How, how do you, what, so how do you, I chalk that? that up to two things and none of it's me. <laughs> um, the first is name recognition. My parents have been here a long time. Mm-hmm. So there's people that my, my dad's one of those people that my mom and dad just, you, you leave a place better than when you found it. And I think a lot of people recognize that. I've never really heard someone really say something negative about my parents. Yeah. Um, they're great people. I think that helped me a lot. Kind of like the Kennedy thing, right? Where everybody, yeah, including yeah, like the cousin good. that can't, like put, that. the cousin that can't put a sentence together is a senator kind of thing. <laughs> so I think it was a little bit of that. Um, and then second, I waited till after we did the uh, the talk, the forum, and then I put like, um, you know, I did paper to every house. I hit up pretty much every house in Penhold. If I miss someone, it's it's an accident. Um, I talked to a few people, but it was COVID. I didn't knock on doors, mm-hmm. so I only talked to the people that were receptive to it. And then in my paper, I had a link to all the counselors' bios. So I give them all the information instead of just my own. Oh, yeah. And I think people like that. And then they found counselors that they like, but then they associated me with that. I made it easy for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I like that. they just came out. Yeah. And I also hit, like, I, I purposely nailed the whole town in three days right at the end. Right mm. before the, right, just a day before the early vote. So, nice. yeah. And so it was the other election as well. So I wasn't annoying i don't think Um, (laughs) so i and i think a little bit of it is luck right so yeah um i don't know that that coincidence thing i don't know about that (laughs) um but no it's like yeah i remember i remember being at at the the council forum Mm -hmm. and we're just getting set up or sorry the candidate forum Mm -hmm. for this last round and um 
I, I got you, you, I think you were one of the first to show up and I asked you to do a little sound check for me. Yeah. And I believe you quoted a little bit of Shakespeare. Wasn't I it? So, yeah. I think it was Shakespeare. To be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is nobler. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so how much, how, uh, and this is just my, a little bit of a, a sidetrack from, from the counselor thing where, and, and I think it showed up as well in, as well in the, in the, the forum itself, you, you seem to be very, um, comfortable, let's say around the English language, mm. you, you, you know how to craft a phrase. It seems like you, you're very intentional in, in, in putting in little memorable hits, a little alliteration here and there. Mm. Um, is that part of the teacher background? Is it, do you, is there something deeper? <laughs> yeah. Is that intentional? <laughs> so I, I, I love language. Like I, when I took my master's, the main reason I wanted to be in a, a teacher and to be a, like, go for my master's eventually was that it was it, the coursework was paper writing. So I love writing papers. I love crafting words and stuff. So yeah. cover letters are way more fun than resumes kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so they're really cheesy. They come off as very, very old British kind of stuff. And I use words, but yeah, not, not in a sense that I think I'm intelligent with the English language. No, I like the yeah. way it sounds. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like when people speak, yeah. speak well. Yes. Um, but I also speak, you know, I'm a teacher, so it's <laughs> sometimes colloquialisms <laughs> and things slip out for sure. But yeah, no, I just, I being in front of the camera and the way that happened rather than being live it, it was like we are now, it was like a conversation that was very natural. Yeah. I knew people were going to watch it, um, but they weren't watching it right then. Yes. So yeah, I could be, like, yeah. be like, oh, I can go home and sleep and whatever. <laughs> I just won't watch it later. But there's no people sitting there watching you. So it was, yeah, okay, yeah. It was fairly in that easy. Sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And some counselors, there, there was a glitch in the system when we did it with the, the way it was explained a little bit and, and some of the thinking on how the counselors were going to do it. And there were counselors that, you know, forgot notes because they didn't think that they had time to grab the notes and things like that. So, so there were people that were less lucky than me, right? So yeah. it's a luck of the draw too. And so I think, I think if people speak well, um, Councillor Walsh and I are both teachers. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we have, I think, a little bit of an edge, at least speaking in front of people all the time. Yeah, a little bit of that yeah. extemporaneous Yeah, we well. can get in front of people. Yeah. I still get nervous as heck, but we, we've done it tons of times. So I yeah. think people associate that right, right or wrong. I think some of our higher up politicians in federal politics and provincial politics, not necessarily at the federal level, but have got in where they're at because they can speak well. And that's not always a good thing. Um, they can, they can sell you catch up, right. To a white gloved person. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I guess, I don't know if it, I don't know if the speaking well, I think it would be more charisma, the charisma of, yeah. of, in, in how they deliver things. Yeah. It's like the, the Kennedys, yeah. right? Like they were thought of as like, like they're not Churchills. That's that's like yeah. Today, today there's there's hardly a Churchill. There's none. No, no. like no. And, and I'm just speaking. I'm just talking about just the way he could mm. craft a sentence and mm. you know, words uh, and to to inspire someone. There's there's that kind of speaking. Yeah. Um, but and and, and and I don't know if you. I don't know. I, I haven't watched a lot of his you know a lot of tapes around him. Um, so I don't know how charismatic he was. Mm -hmm. But you get. You just by reading his words, mm -hmm. you you get uh, kind of that 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 inspiration, that that the power that he's trying to communicate. Right. Uh, and I don't think that's yeah, I don't I I, I don't think that's something you need to be uh, you know kind of I don't think I don't think that some people need to be defensive about mm -hmm. the ability to to use language properly. Right. Yeah, politicians know how to do that. Right. Uh, especially as far as the raw, raw ability of, of right. language. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm less convinced by their, by their, 
uh, ability to to actually grasp it and, and use it properly. Right. The most important thing is that when you leave the venue of saying what you were going to do, you actually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that yes. said, oh, yeah. if you can't articulate what you want people to believe you're going to do, you're a lost cause right from the start, probably right because yeah. they're not going to know what you're what you stand for, what you're behind, right? Yeah, and I think that's that's what we see a lot with politicians now. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of showmanship. Yeah, and that 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 seems to be a repeating theme on this podcast. Our question period. There's oh, there's, no, there's yeah. a great great chunk of Canadians think question period is real. Yeah, and that that's where things get settled. It's it's a farce. It's no, a, yeah, it's I, a complete. I, yeah, you're talking you're, you're talking about question period, in, in, especially at the federal level. But I think yeah. this applies. Uh, I think I, haven't, I think it applies on the provincial level, but yeah. as well, just seems the far or farther up you go, the more games are played. Yeah, the more the ego and the power comes right. in. Like you, like you, like you said, at any political level, there has to be a sense of of of, of ego of mm-hmm. that I have right answers that that would help people out. But somewhere along the way, that shifts to kind of more of a selfishness, right. that power, follow me kind of thing, right. instead of, you know, um, let me show you a way, kind of a little more of that servant kind of style leadership. Yeah. And yeah, and so every they have question period in, in, in the legislature, in the parliament. And when you're looking at, or when you're watching that, I, I can't, I can barely stand the little clips that, <laughs> that each side puts out. Yeah. Because it looks, it it just it looks like a, a show. It, it it's no different. It's a bad movie, is what it is. Because mm-hmm. all you're seeing is actors playing their lines. Yeah. And and it it it's it's aggravating. It's sad. It's all those yeah. <laughs> all those emotions in between there that I just want a good, honest, real person mm-hmm. to say what they say, what they think, mm-hmm. do what they say, and then let the let let the the population choose. Right. Whether or not they want to follow that path, right. don't don't. That's that's the thing. All this all this showmanship ends up. I think it ends up tr- kind of uh, treating the population as children, mm-hmm. as if as if we can be, as if we're not smart enough to figure out the game that's being played. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, it's, it's just a little more, a little bit of the rant, I guess. No, nope, uh, right. but yeah, no, I I think that's uh, even even at this level the. The ability to speak well um, and and uh, to back that up in an earnest way mm-hmm. to yeah and, and 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 combining those two you get an honest politician right. even if you disagree with that person you have far more respect for that mm-hmm. for that person yeah. and that politician and those are just in such short supply now yeah I also think if you speak well and you put together something that you've thought about or put together a sentence that's well structured or a speech that's well-structured and you answer questions. Like I know some of those questions we knew ahead of time. Those are the ones that I nailed. <laughs> the other ones we were presented on the fly and I was making notes the whole time other people were talking. Right. Yeah. So I was ready with something. I think at least if you speak well to a point, people know you've thought about it. Right. So yeah. at least something's in your brain and they know that you went home and at least rolled it around there a little bit. So, yeah. The nice thing about no, about the, the more local politics are, you know, there isn't speech writers behind it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> us and we right? can tell sometimes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's, that's perhaps another just element of the whole show yeah. that, that gets played out at the higher levels. Cause yeah, you'll have, you'll have the prime minister or the premier, but there's like 10 other guys that are, that are putting words right. on the page or helping yeah. them craft those words. Yeah. Or at least on the municipal level, it's harder to, to 
come off as fake. Right. You, you don't have that huge. No, that we huge disagree all the time, yeah. but there's, there's no party in the, there's no party politics in, in council. Right. Yeah. So we, we obviously have our leanings and to say that you don't have a political leaning or you don't have a faith background that's going to affect some of the decisions or the thinking behind your decisions mm-hmm. would be, would be silly. But at the end of the day, we always say council says this council says that, right. I've been disagreeing with things and lost votes before. But when we walk out, if people ask you a question, I say, council said this mm-hmm. and that's us. That's me too. Even though I didn't say it. <laughs> right. So, and, and that's, there's yeah. a certain unity there that the people, I don't know, like at the end of the day, the vote is the vote and yeah. I believe in democracy. And if it goes against what I thought it's, I honestly think it's the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm more, I guess more of a, confrontationalist or contrarian yeah. Yeah. when it comes to things. So I, yeah, I, sometimes, sometimes watching council meetings are just, they're a little too tame. tame yeah. For yeah. me, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, but I, 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 I definitely respect, uh, the ability to, uh, of council to engage, uh, in, in kind of collegial manner mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, even in, in disagreeing, not see that as, as a slight against the person yeah. or something like that. Like you guys, you guys can still go out the next day with yeah. each other, um, even if you voted in, in opposite ways. Right. And that's, that's, that is hopefully something that can get passed up the line. Right. And because there's no party in pigeonhole politics, like if you're a conservative, you believe this. If you're lately, we've always had like conservative, you believe this liberal, you believe this. Well, with council, you can like, I disagree with this counselor today, that counselor tomorrow. Um, I've disagreed with everybody on something yeah. and everybody has, sure, right? Yeah. But you're not always disagreeing with the same person. And you're not always feeling like you're opposed by that person, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, Sometimes mm-hmm. you're surprised and they vote the same way as you. So, <laughs> yeah. yes, yeah. You, there's no, there's no colors on, on, yeah. on, on, the, on the. Yeah, that's. I guess that's that's a good point there because yeah, what ends up happening at the, the the higher levels is you're you're not actually. You lose you lose yourself in the colors of yeah. your party. And oh, so, yeah. yeah, you just become you the, the blue politician or the yeah. orange politician or the red politician. Yeah. You wear the right color tie and you yeah. say what you yeah. need to say. And it's pigeonholed, right? Like, like the party platform is like, I'm, I'm, I lean conservative people that know me know that's no secret. Right. Yeah. Um, there are things that I think different governments have done well. And if the liberals were to do something that I like <laughs> and I thought saw it, I would be smart enough and, and in love with my country enough to say, that's, that's a great idea. Yes. Let's yes, steal that and take that. credit for it to we make it a conservative, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's paint it blue. Yes. That's what we should do. But yeah, like to like, if, if Trudeau does something right and I'm a conservative, why am I not saying he did that right? Why yeah. am I not supporting the prime minister just because he's a Trudeau liberal? Mm-hmm. If I don't agree with that, yes, like that's what makes the country better and then challenge him where he's wrong. Yeah. But then also challenge, like, there's a lot that I don't agree with, with the conservatives. And I'll you're say, sounding very nuanced. I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable with all this. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> and then, but like yeah, a, a lot of people just say, oh yeah, that's good. Cause it's got the conservative stamp on it or the liberal stamp or yeah. whatever they align with. Right. And yep. that's, that's false. Cause then what happens is there's one person, the premier, the prime minister who sets this, the tone and you, you, you believe what he says. Well, then why do we have MPs, MLAs, and councillors? Let's just dissolve the parliament and have him be a dictator. Yeah. Because that's the reality. If you can't speak out against him, we have some MLAs that do that on the lower level, right? And what yeah. happens? They get kicked out of caucus. And, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. We see it provincially yeah. and, yeah. and federally these last right? few years. Nice yeah. thing about council is Mary Arjo can't kick me out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. I'm there to stay. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, so let's then wrap up with a little bit of, of chat now about um, kind of the edu education side of things. And I, I know even just in the last, it feels like three or four years, the, the whole um, conversation around education and kids and, and you know, parental involvement mm -hmm. uh, has, has changed dramatically. Um, what what so first of all what how long have you been teaching and and what have you noticed as as trends or your in your experience as a teacher over over that time frame what's changed or and what stayed the same right so i've been teaching for i think 14 years i just wrote a cover letter so <laughs> i think 14 15 years and i think the thing that's changed is number one parental involvement i think but that's probably from my move to a school so i was at a school that was uh you know Christian school, it used to be a private school, it was public school now, but still had that old kind of parent body still. A lot of parents were a little bit higher income level and a lot of parent council involvement and things like that. We mm -hmm. had a society that I was on to and our own fundraiser, kind of the the old style from the private school years brought through. And then now I'm in the, uh, you know, North Cottage and a lot of a lot of more vulnerable kids. And so the parental involvement has changed but also on a government level or societal level, parental rights is a big thing that's yeah. changed, right? And, yeah. and you see that in education, like more and more just kids being able to do their own thing without parents' permission and things like that. So I think it seems like it's been creeping. And so it's happened over the 14 years. But it, I think if you started at that end stage and then saw where I am now, you would, you'd be like, what's happened, right? Yeah. Um, so that's been a big thing. The curriculum probably hasn't changed much. You see a lot of criticism over the curriculum. Yeah. We went into the discovery learning thing and then phased it out slowly. <laughs> Problem is with curriculum, and I always say this in education, is that a government will pass a curriculum. Yeah. And then sooner or later they will leave, unless it's Alberta mm -hmm. and it's the conservative for so long. <laughs> but sooner or later that government will leave, but that curriculum won't change. And so then you're teaching kids who are now going to be the next generation. So if you have a conservative, it's not a conservative curriculum or a liberal curriculum, but it is, it is, it does have a slant. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and so you're going to, you're going to, it's going to get passed. You're going to teach kids and those kids are going to grow up to the next generation. So you're always going to be behind naturally, right? Yeah. When big political shifts come, you're still going to be behind in the curriculum. Um, people don't understand what we teach. I think that's the biggest flaws they like. Uh, I know one, one great thing was someone pulled, and I, I'm pro-oil, I'll say that for sure, <laughs> but someone did pull something about, about global warming yep. from a curriculum, and they threw it online, and I usually keep my mouth shut, but they threw it online, and they said, <laughs> this is the stupidest thing, like our teachers are, are liberalizing kids, and you know, it says here about you know, thinking about global warming and thinking about the effects of oil. We know oil causes pollution. We know that. Yeah. Um, so I actually pulled that out of a textbook, and that textbook was passed during a conservative curriculum change. So it's like mm -hmm. things aren't that different, yeah. right? Don't yeah. slant curriculum. Don't don't necessarily like it's it's not that we teach whatever we want. I don't go to school every day and be like I'm just going to pull this out of my my head and just start going with that, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's the big change. Is there's an animosity towards what teachers do. I think. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of the conversation around education, and especially in Alberta, has been over this in the K K to six curriculum drafting which which started as yeah, yeah. started under the NDP. Yeah. So yeah, you're talking about how there's different how the ruling whoever gets to draft the curriculum. Right. Uh it's almost impossible not to put your your kind of your your spin on it or your your bias on That's it. It's do, a slant. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 just 
natural. Yep. Um, and yeah, and then and then put on top of that any any further intentional twisting. Right. Then uh, yeah, you can see how 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 or this you can see that why curriculum can be such a contentious issue right. because it has such a long or such an enduring right. life uh, when it comes to its implication and use in schools. My, as I'm reading, so I'm reading through some of these articles on, from, as a teacher point of view, how, how important is the, the provincial set curriculum? Like how closely do you follow it? Is, do you have a checklist you go through? Like, yeah. so how, how does that work out in the real so world there? When you become better at teaching in terms of the art and science of teaching, you, you get to know the curriculum really well. So like grade nine math, I, I, I've taught it forever. So I know yeah. it really well. So there's things you need to learn. You need to nail those things for grade 10. If you don't, the next teacher is going to call you on it, right? So in the maths, very closely. In the social, you have you have topics and threads to, to delve into, but yeah. a lot of suggestions in the curriculum. Okay. Um, so like maybe like uh, examine the French heritage and how Francophone Alberta is different from Anglophone Alberta. And so you then decide as a teacher how to bring that in. You can talk about Francophone schools. You can talk about, you know, um, some of the, the stuff that happened with Francophone, you know, Métis Wars and things like that. So, so that yeah. kind of influenced it. So you have some ideas suggested. Yes. Yeah, kind of that IEEG thing. Sometimes they tell you exactly what to do okay, yeah. specifically. And then sometimes there's a little bit of a leeway and you all have your different slant on how to get that across to kids, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's some wiggle room, but definitely not as much wiggle room as as people think, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you had me teaching social 10, yes. And you had an extreme person on the other side of the political spectrum teaching social 10. If you're doing your job the way you're hired to do your job, yep. there's not, a, there shouldn't be a lot of difference. There. Okay. So that's if there is, I think you're a bad teacher yep. because there is a job to do and you have to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, and honestly, all these curriculums, the NDP slant, the, the conservative stuff, they all really do talk about the same stuff. Similar things. Like yeah. Global warming is not, a, not an NDP curriculum thing. Yeah. Um, it's back in the day, right? They talked about it. Um, it's, yeah. It seems most of the argument is over like whether or not something is emphasized or not. Right. And so that's the slant where you could get off, you know, go down a rabbit hole and, and maybe slant something to the detriment of something else. Right. Yep. And I think there's people that, that do that. One of the famous cases in Alberta was, um, with Keekstra and back in the day with the Holocaust and he, you know, was a yep. Holocaust denier and, and somehow managed to work that into the class. And there's examples of that. So those kinds of things do happen. Yep. Um, but like you see all this stuff about teachers doing this to kids or that to kids and slanting this and that that's not, not the way it is. So, so you, you, so you're saying that the curriculum is set up so, uh, so that um, there are certain things that, that you, you just have to, that you teach yeah. in a certain way. And usually math, I'm guessing is probably right. very kind of checklist kind of based. Mm -hmm. Whereas uh, other things such as sociology or, or uh, social studies, right. um, you would have, you'd be presented with kind of here is, here is the, the, the idea that you need to get across, mm -hmm. but it, lets the teacher do that in their own way, his or her own, right. own way. So like I teach globalism in, in, in social 10 dash two. Yep. And so with globalism right now, I could very much speak to how alliances tie us up with globalism. Of course I would tie into the Ukraine thing, mm -hmm. right? Look how, um, look how we just devastated the Russian economy pretty much overnight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so because of globalization, they're tied to us right back in the day of the czar, the czar would control <laughs> the economy. We wouldn't, you wouldn't even trade with anybody. It was locked down tight. So I would dive into that. 
yep. teacher five years ago wouldn't have touched on that because Russia wasn't at war with the Ukraine. So you work things into the context that you're in. You definitely pull from your life. You have to. Yep. You definitely pull from your experience. You definitely pull from what's going on in the world. But the curriculum's still the same. At the end of the day, the kid knows the ins and outs of globalization. And there's enough there's enough facts and, and things in the textbook and ideas mm -hmm. that there is a canned do this, do that, do this, do that. And then you have some wiggle room there. So, well. yeah, so, so, there, uh, so there's enough, so there, there's, you have some freedom in how you teach it, right. but you would say there's enough guardrails so that people are that, so teachers on opposite ends of the spectrum, if they are following what is in the curriculum, mm -hmm. they, they, I guess, I guess, would you say they could flavor it in their particular way, but it wouldn't be like some sort of ideological indoctrination. Is right. that something like that? Yeah. So like, the curriculum is the curriculum. I'm fairly conservative. My kids aren't coming out as conservative robots out of my <laughs> classroom at all. Yeah. Um, you, you can't you can't do that. Now, when a government gets in and they change the curriculum drastically and they cut out, like say you were to just erase oil. Oil is a great thing. Like try heating our homes here, right? You erase yeah, yeah. that and you just demonize it, and then you go only pro stop global warming. And don't look at the fact that we can't do that overnight. It has to be a conversation, right? Yeah. Not a conversion just overnight. If you got rid of all that, then if that's all I can teach, then it's going to come out slanted like that, right? Sure, yeah. So your socials, your, your social sciences, those kinds of things. Um, luckily, I'm a math and science guy mostly. <laughs> so it's like fractions are fractions, whether you're a liberal <laughs> or conservative, right. right? Yeah. So a quarter is a quarter. <laughs> Unless you're passing a budget, I guess sometimes. I was going to say, or yeah, depending on the inflation rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess the numbers do get fudged. That's actually pretty true. So <laughs> yeah, the uh, numbers aren't always perfect. Yeah. My, my quarter in the, in my pocket the, today is not the, the same quarter that oh, was a year ago. So <laughs> it's devastating. Yeah. Um, I get, and okay. So we, yeah, the curriculum, that's, that's good. I, I, I you get, you get a lot of these different talking points and mm. people making uh, comments on it so yeah there so there's i can so the it's a it's it's important to have uh, your eye on the curriculum because you you would you say that's that would be more where kind of the ideological shifts would happen right if if possible it would be yeah. more more in the curriculum than at say the teacher level because right. of those because yeah. of the guardrails yeah. of the curriculum the big also. ideological shifts would come from curricular changes right yeah. yeah so another another topic that's kind of making news every now and then when it comes to schools is there is actually the names of schools. Um, not so much recently, um, but certainly over the last two years or so, um, we've seen a lot of name changes going on from, from uh, I think I got an article here from the end of, or from June of last year, uh, a school in, in um, School in Calgary is changing their name uh, from Bishop Grandin to another school. There's a, to another name. There's a, a Langevin school that's being changed. There's even names with with our founding uh, prime minister of John A. Macdonald that have been changed. Mm -hmm. um, what's what's your what's your your take on that? And then how does that end up uh, playing out in how we understand history altogether? Right. I think the message when you, when you change yeah. history, the message is that history can be changed and it shouldn't be. It can't. It's, it's laid down. And I think we need to learn from it for sure. 
I, but I'm not a person. I've always said, like, when I give that opinion that <laughs> things shouldn't necessarily be changed. There are people with atrocities, so there's kind of a gray area here. Yeah. But these people have names on schools because they've done great things for our country, great things for maybe the world. Now, if you dig deep enough, everybody has atrocities. So yeah. I wouldn't want to be the person that decides which <laughs> names get changed. Um, I think I think I've never walked into a school and looked up at a banner and seen a name in my school of a person who has destroyed my past or my history or challenged yeah. my my ethnicity, right? Sure. Um, yep. I've never had that as a white Christian male. And so to speak to that uh, would be really hard for me. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a gray area. I do like I do like the controversy because I think it opens up the conversation. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, there's definitely a conversation to be had, I think, had, around yeah. it. What I'm... Uh, what I guess one angle on that is is it it ends up I think and I think you touched on it is it's, it becomes this kind of uh, I think C.S. Lewis I came up with it with was this kind of with the with the term chronological snobbery mm -hmm. where because we're later in the timeline we can look back and with our kind of moral twenty twenty vision yeah. we we are the good people on the timeline because we're the latest and we've learned we can go back and judge these people right. in the past right. by that by that standard right. so there, I guess there's there's that element in which we just think we're better than the people in, in the past but then the other element is there's almost this. It's not a conversation that's being had. It's but it feels to me more like an erasure altogether, mm -hmm. and it's like as if doesn't matter what good the person has done. We can't we can't talk about that. Right. We can't we can't even use his name on anything if he's done anything bad. Right. And even perhaps even and like yeah I I, I don't I won't I don't want to step in thing anything <laughs> too too tough. I uh, at least not prepared. So I, there's yeah. there's angles on this that that, that we'll talk about. On another podcast, <laughs> once I'm more prepared. But there, there's, especially when I'm kind of talking about this in, in kind of the educational sense, um, it, it, and it, it does seem to be more of let's just get rid of this name altogether, mm -hmm. from from history. Like, and it ends up communicating that this person did nothing good. Mm -hmm. So having a name and erasing it both make a statement. Right. And that, I, I think that's what uh, perhaps is missed on this. Right. So I'll go with yeah. John, the Johnny McDonald example. Um, so just in general, erasing someone from history, we're judging him from, from our stance today in the context, mm. the cultural context we have today. Not a great guy, right? <laughs> um, but we're judging him from, from laws and a moral basis that he actually laid the foundation for. Yeah. So what you and me are talking about, we're talking about something that was, that was plotted out for the last century or over a century. He brought in that English version of law to Canada, right? He yeah. brought in the system of the courts that we had. He brought in all that. So we're judging him from the way we grew up morally but a lot of that is like foundationally put in place by the original governments and the way this, this country was founded. So we're judging the guy by the standards that down the line, he really started to bring in. So it's really yeah. a catch 22. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have a great yeah. country where we can judge our leaders. Um, he's one of the guys that gave us that, right? Yes. We would never judge the King. But it seems we almost hard to be it, yeah. it's something like, it seems difficult to say that now. Yeah. You like you just, you can't acknowledge the good that someone has done. Right. 
Um, because then, oh, but we, every time, or at least every time we mention the good someone's done, we have to make sure we caveat that with the, with the laundry list right. of evil he did. Right. And I think if you put anybody's name on, on a school, if you've lived long enough down the line after they're dead, things are going to creep up that they might've not been the best person. Yep. That's why it's safe to name schools after the local people, right? <laughs> <laughs> Less controversy, but yeah. yeah, like I think down the line, I, I know down in the States, the Confederacy is a big one. Yeah. And so Confederate generals and stuff. And, and there's many Confederate generals that, that were, you know, for their country. The Confederacy was a country. That's what they believed in. Yeah. Um, are those people atrocious? Probably some of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, who am I to judge which ones get their names taken off and not, right? So I don't know. I don't want to be in a position where I judge someone's value in the past and what it's worth. Yeah. Those people are foundational. The the name was put there for a reason to begin with, and I don't know necessarily if it's a knee jerk reaction all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and then yeah. So you got the Confederacy in the states up here. A lot of these names are names that are being removed because they're they're linked to the residential school right. system. Um, but yeah, it, it's there. There's there's it does seem like more of a kind of that knee jerk reaction because this is this is all in the last couple years. Right. Um, and and it, it it does have a chilling effect on being able to talk about these people as real people. Right. We we just kind of pigeonhole them as as these kind of uh, evil evildoers in the past right. that we cannot even acknowledge uh, any good that they did. Right. And you and, question and, like yeah, and then, as a politician or as a person or as a teacher or as a military person with the camera on, can I speak well of John A. McDonald without <laughs> repercussions to my career? Right. Absolutely. Right, I can. Right. He was one of the founding fathers. Yeah. We owe a lot of our freedom to the things those people put in place. Did they do atrocious things? Absolutely. Um, do yeah. I think they're good men? Not necessarily. Am I to judge them? I don't think I'm in that <laughs> position. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, it's a really hard, hard question. Cause I know, I know that if you, I've had conversations. I've thought of things. I've probably said things that certain people don't agree with. And down the line, would I want anything good that I've done overshadowed? I hope not. Yeah. So, so, so interesting. So is, are there subjects and, and people that you feel less comfortable or that you're, you're more careful to talk about now than when you first started? Do you feel like there's more subject matter that, that, that you have to be more careful in handling in classroom than you did 15 years ago? I do like te teaching. Teaching's pretty good. I have a really good, a really good, well, we have a great district. Red Deer Public Schools is, is an awesome district. So they, our curriculum challenges us to challenge kids, right? Yeah. And so we really dig deep into topics and we allow for everybody to have that conversation. So I do have kids, especially some of my online kids that have some pretty controversial ideas <laughs> and you, you hatch that out because it's coming from somewhere and they have yeah. a voice. And so you, where did you learn that? Where did you get that? Where did you come with those, those biases? Cause we all do, right? Mm -hmm. Even mm -hmm. the slant that John A. McDonald should be on a school or shouldn't be on a school. Both of those are biases yeah. because you're, you're avoiding something. And so yeah. I like digging deep into those things and, and that's how kids learn. Like if you, if you tell them how to think all the time when I'm gone, it's <laughs> yeah. over, right? Cause yeah. they, who are they going to, yeah. yeah. If they don't have parents or they, their parents tell them how to do it and you tell them how to do it, then it's, it's done when you're done. So yeah, yeah you have to teach them how to think, not what to think. Yeah, and yeah, I'm 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 more and more concerned that that's not happening, and 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 it's 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 a fa and it, I think part of that is the fact that some of these name changes are not yeah. are, are done not out of a, a deep conversation, but yeah. it's just you know it this name 
uh, offends this certain group, and so right. we have to get rid of it. It's, 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 there's no nuance right. beyond that. The main story I would bring to it that, that challenged me as a teacher is when I was in teacher school in, in university for my bachelor degree, I had a social professor. And she had, her last name was Vaughn something, and she, she was German um, descent. And she told me a story that when she was in school, they had to do a Remembrance Day ceremony thing. And they had to tell about a parent or a family member, someone that was in the war. And she spoke of her grandfather, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he was a, a German warmarked officer. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at that time, it was a Nazi government. Yep. Um, he fought, if you look on, on uh, Wikipedia, it always has like the German Empire, the old guys, German Empire, Nazi <laughs> Reich. And it, it changes. As the country changes, your allegiance changes or you get out, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he was, by his nature as a soldier, under Adolf Hitler. Yep. And he fought for his country, yeah. Germany, a Germany that he knew before Adolf Hitler came from Austria and, yes, and changed it true, right? Yeah. from the empire. And so he knew the empire Germany. He was proud mm -hmm. of that. He mm -hmm. fought and her teacher gave her heck for choosing a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And, and when you put it that way, yeah, you can see like, you know, why would you choose that? And that's her grandfather who fought for his country, not for a political ideal. Yeah. And so that's devastating when we tell people that their history doesn't matter anymore. Their background doesn't matter. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for, for stopping by. I think we've, we've covered a wide range of topics today. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great. Um, from, from military to political to education, I think we've, we've, we've run the gamut. Um, and I, I, appreciate, I appreciate getting the insight on, on, on these different life experiences and processes that go on in society that, that you can read about on the page, but there's always a reality to it that gets played out mm -hmm. by the person. Uh, and so I, I appreciate your, your, your ability to, to bring that perspective and that experience to us tonight. Thank you. Um, yeah. So I, hopefully, hopefully our, our, our listeners got something out of that as well. It's been awesome to be here. Um, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you for uh, coming on. Hopefully we'll get Michael Roland back for, for the next episode. But until then, my name is Brian Constantine, and this has been Penhold Talk Radio. Mm -hmm.